We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Owning a small business can be overwhelming. How can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. There's so many places to reach customers. Email, text messages, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, live events, the list goes on. How are you, as the business owner, expected to own all of those channels? That's where Constant Contact comes in to help. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. I use this to grow my email list, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender at Blender HD, if you want to follow me on Twitter. And it's Mondays, Mondays with McCool. You know what we do on Mondays uh, to get the week started. Bring on James McCool, paydirt underscore DFS on Twitter. The co-author with me on the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can find at theoryofdfs.com. We're talking DFS strategy, as always, on this show, on Mondays. I see you guys in the YouTube chat. Post your questions. We'll talk about anything. I see you guys. I see Daniel Hutchins and Card Fan and Eric Hiltpold and Dario Rosenstock and Card it's a Card Fan twice. Matt Mears, Brian Taylor, Aaron Rasmus, Shannon Lampert. We got everyone in here. Hit that thumbs up button. Give me those tummy thumbs. Thummy thumbs up or down. It doesn't matter. All around. Click around. Doesn't matter. Click on anything on the YouTube page. It doesn't really matter. Other than the X button for the window because that closes everything. So, so James, uh, today is officially the day. Today's the day. Is They're going to crack down on the foreign substances. Yeah. Right? So that means, that means obviously, obviously we can't play you Darvish tonight. Is Because is, is today, the, everything is going to change. Do you think that anything is going to change? Well, I mean, we already saw things change, right? Like we already saw the average spin rate in the league drop almost 100 RPMs. And so we already saw like some pretty overarching reactions from pitchers. We had like the Tyler Glass now rant about how he got injured because he has to grip the ball differently, which like I, I'll buy that for sure. 
Um, yeah, just amazing, amazingly enough, all these ace pitchers are going on the IL or, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. Or how about, yeah. How about, how about, how about DeGrum? What's going on with him? Like him, him, I almost have to, I, I, that, this can't be like BS. I mean, he pitches three innings, has eight strikeouts. And then it's like, there's, there's a new, there's a new niggling issue with him, like, like every start. So like, here's my thing with DeGrom. One, he's an alien. Uh, he is not, of, he's not of this earth. Two, I think that the Tyler Glasnow thing scared a lot of managers in the league because when Glasnow came out and was like, look, I got injured because I have to hold the ball differently now and I have to grip it differently and I'm like overexerting myself to try to pitch the same way. I think that managers saw that and were like, oh, their ace pitcher like has to have Tommy John surgery and like it's because of this, them cracking down on substances um, because it's, it's not a secret that pretty much every single pitcher in the league is using some sort of something to help with their grip. Most of them using Rosen and sunscreen, which is not like crazy. Some using spider tack, which is, you know, Trevor Bauer level, but like someone they're, they're all using something. And I think that these pitchers are seeing the effects of these pitchers that are trying to get through games without that help on their fingers and i think that it scared them and i i legit think that the manager of the mets is just like we're not having Degrom go that long like we're not having him go five innings anymore we'll have him get through the first get through the top of the order twice and then we're going to pull him and we're going to trust our bullpen because we're not going to lose Degrom to, to this issue so i i think that there's something like the, well, there. hold on. I think they're they're willing to pitch him. I think it's more the fact of if there's any signs of like, you know, are you it, it, is your arm feeling decent? Yeah, like yeah. If, it's, if it's if it's just like this, it's like no, we're we're there's we're taking it. if he's fine, he'll pitch. It's just I think, you know, if 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 pitchers are actually complaining that it's it's affecting their motion and 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 you know endurance, right? Longevity, mm-hmm. uh I mean, is how how come it's it's the ace pitchers and it's not affected to me? I I view it that like the pitchers that are already good are already good. What why why wouldn't this affect the the crappier pitchers? Why why aren't we looking at Kyle Gibson going? Well, now Kyle Gibson's going to be even more crap. I well, I think that that we probably should, but I also think that it's worth saying that there's likely not a super large difference between like a very good pitcher and a great pitcher. I, I think that there is probably a little bit of a difference in control. I think there's probably a little bit of a difference in understanding how to pitch, but for the most part, I don't think that a drop in RPMs is going to hurt somebody whose RPMs are not already super high to begin with, because that's not what they're making their money on. Like Garrett Cole makes his money on having a high RPM on his fastball, but Kyle Gibson doesn't. So like the guys, so is, it, is it, is it the type of thing, James, is it the type of thing? Because it is, I mean, I'm not super, uh, you know, like uh, knowledgeable about like the actual mechanics of pitching, but I mean, I've been following baseball for so long that like the, dip, the, the difference between the miles, it's very similar that the difference between the miles per hour as the speed goes up, gets exponentially more effective. Meaning that like, if you could throw a 92 mile an hour fastball, the difference between throwing a 92 and a 93 mile an hour fastball, that one mile an hour, 
doesn't make that much difference. Like a 90 to a 94 mile an hour pitch is about the same. But then once you once you go up to 97, mm-hmm. like the difference between a 94 mile an hour fastball and a 97 mile an hour fastball is much bigger gap. And the difference each mile an hour from 97 up to like 101, like throwing 99 and 101 is actually a big gap. Yeah. Because you now you're getting into reaction times that are even even smaller and smaller that you like even even like like the human brain can't even like comprehend well enough so is it is it very much like that with spin rate that if the if the if the normal person if normal pitcher spin rate is x right these ace pitchers are able to do like x plus five and now they're only able to do x plus two but that other extra three is what makes them like the ace so like having the, the 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 crappier pitchers having a spin rate of like x minus one like doesn't like like it's hard not to throw like when you throw a fastball it's gonna rotate right like right. this like any pitcher throwing 90 miles an hour is gonna have an uh, a spin rate that's gonna be almost like any other pitcher's 90 mile an hour fastball right like zach grenke how, how much does it affect zach grenke yeah like, not like nothing yeah. right not at all right i mean he didn't he barely throws over 90 to begin with so do, do you think, do you think that we, I know it's very hard to, you can't really, there's going to be no data or sample size or anything. Should we, would it be too much weight? Or I think a better way of putting it is that will the field overcompensate or undercompensate or will projection models not pick it up fast enough? I'm looking for the, for the, for the, the exploit for the, the what edge could we have in this time period that maybe pitchers that rely heavily on speed on on you know on fastball speed we should downgrade a little bit more and not necessarily uh not necessarily ding the pitchers that don't necessarily rely on i mean th- i mean there are strike. I mean, to me, Garrett Cole relies on speed, right? Yeah. Well, so like there, there's two things to say about that, right? So the speed matters. Like throwing 97 is is exponentially better than throwing 94. I agree with that point. But you also have to consider how much movement there is on the fastball. And if they're throwing like a two-seamer, how much arm side run does it have? If they're throwing a four-seamer, how much vertical run does it have? Like those things matter. That's where RPMs come into play. So if you have a hundred more RPMs on your fastball, then you're getting that extra like three quarters of an inch of movement going up vertically. So if you think about like the way that pitch tunneling works, like these good pitchers, Garrett Cole, he gets there on speed, but he also gets there because he understands how to tunnel his pitches and he knows how to play off his fastball. So like his fastball going 98 miles an hour and moving and running three inches vertically up when he is able to pair that with a slider that can go like, you know, down and out three to six inches or whatever, then the hitter not only has to consider what happens like at that point of where the ball is going to break, is it going to be going three inches up or is it going to be going six inches down and out? Right. So like there is that, I mean, we're talking almost a foot of difference of where that ball is going to end up at the plate. When you start dropping down those RPMs, now that fastball is only going to be moving up maybe an inch. Maybe the slider is only going to be dropping down, you know, four inches. So you're cutting the efficiency of that tunneling in half. So like 
those RPMs, that's why RPMs matter. And that's why we pay so much attention to it. And that's why when Trevor Bauer back when he was talking about like the Astros cheating and using like spider tack and stuff like that. Um, that's why he was like, yeah, I know there's substance out there that can increase my RPMs by 400, you know, and, and like, I'll, I'll have the same fastball that Derek Cole has. Lo and behold, a year later, his RPMs increased by 400 and he has the same fastball that Garrett Cole has. It's like, well, we know what you're doing, you know? So that's why RPMs matter. So there's that part of it. And then the exploit right now, I think we need to go to baseball savant and we need to see, we need to check on these ace pitchers. We need to check on Trevor Bauer. We need to check on Garrett Cole, Udar Bish, these guys who are really, really good and see what their RPM changes have been. We need to check and see what they have been able to accomplish since this lockdown has been put into place. There's a lot of talk about Garrett Cole losing his efficiency and like losing his RPMs. There's a lot of talk about Trevor Bauer, but those guys probably aren't the ones that I care to attack anyway. I think that it would be more about fading them. And on a six game slate, like we have tonight, or like if it's a five game slate, I'm not sure that there's still even enough of a drop in efficiency, like what they give up a, a run and a half more, maybe if they're baseline. Yeah, but, but that's the difference. But see, but like if we take today's slate, for example, yeah. as an, just purely as an example, uh, the pricing on the pitchers are much more dramatic than the projections may be. Oh, well, this, like, this slate is hilarious. This slate is a pretty bad example of like the, of this conversation. I, well, I of think. course, because we have we have you Darvish, and then then basically a, a, <laughs> and then not many. Life, we have a lot of bad pitchers, right? Uh, no, but if you have to consider that the pricing on ace pitchers are going to be ten to twelve k, sure, and they may not have as much of a ceiling in comparison to a, a, an eight k pitcher. So it's not a matter of like which of the pitchers we attack. No, like I'm not. I'm not saying like oh, let's attack Derek Cole in his next next start. It's more of the fact is is Derek Cole worth ten point eight in comparison to uh, Aaron Savali at at eighty five hundred or something. I mean, like that gap between the pitchers starts getting smaller. Yet the field may still roster, you know, eleven K pitchers. I, that's why. That's why I'm, I'm one of the relative difference yeah. in and these, and these spin rates from pitcher to pitch like like if if Garrett Cole isn't worth 10.8k but Aaron Savali isn't worth 8500 anymore either then like then we're back to square one then everyone is still priced efficiently just that right. we just have to expect that pitching scoring is going to be lower overall right it's going to be like oh yeah Trevor Bauer will still be the highest scoring pitcher on the slate but he'll only score 24 points <sighs> and Aaron Savali type of pitcher who would normally score 18 is going to score 14. Like, like it just, it just means all the pitching starts going down and the hitting starts going up. And like, you're still relatively to their salary. You're still rostering the same people that you would anyway. Yeah. And, and I think what that comes down to is projections. And so if I have a projection for Trevor Bauer, where like, if I don't touch anything, right. Like if I don't go in and touch Trevor Bauer's base stats, or if I don't go in and touch Garrett Cole's base stats or whatever, and they project for like 27 on any given slate. And uh, and they're 10.8. Sure. But that that sounds, you know, they'd still be a pretty good play at that point. And then the next pitcher is like 9,500 and they project for 20. Right. So we have that seven point gap. Um, if we 
like I still think at that point that the Garrett Cole or the Trevor Bauer that's projected for 27, even if you want to say they're a run and a half worse, and that's a serious drop. I mean, we're talking like going from an elite pitcher to like a barely above average pitcher. If you, if you say that Garrett Cole is going to be a run and a half worse after these changes, that run and a half still has him projected at like 23.5. So you still have almost a four point gap between him and the next guy. So I, I think that that's when the projections come into play and like kind of being objective about what you're looking at with the projections and being honest with yourself about how much of a median difference you're going to be having. Because you're right that if Aaron Savale is not going to have as much of a drop and he still projects for like 19 fantasy points and Garrett Cole projects for 26 or you Darvish today projects for 26, you Darvish is still the right play, I think, in that situation, because I still think that even if you take a downgrade to you Darvish, he's still going to have a projection difference of like four or five points over Aaron Savale. So it, it is. Yeah, but, how, but how do you even project that? Like, how are you dealing are you are you regressing the recent results? I mean, like, I haven't touched so? anything I yet. Mean, I haven't touched anything yet because all my my samples are significantly shorter than most projection samples in the industry, anyway. So my stuff's going to catch on to it in a week. Like, I, if, I'll, if, I'll, if I'll there is anything, it's going to catch on much more. I mean, because I know, like, with Cardi, Cardi uses a much longer time period. Yeah, yeah. And so, I don't know how he's going to deal with, like, because because that you can't overcompensate. You can't look at like mm-hmm. let's say the past two starts and go. There's a noticeable difference in spin rate. Let me let me change everything. It's like even, but even in two starts. But I mean, we've seen Degrom like in this last start that he had that he pitched three innings. I mean, I was watching him pitch. Doesn't look like anything affected him. No, he's right? I mean, like right. I mean, he got eight strikeouts, and it's not like it was getting lucky strikeouts. It looked he looked like Jacob. He, he, Garrett Cole looked different. Yeah. Jane Bieber Bieber looked different. Garrett Cole didn't only look different on the field. He was noticeably distraught in the after game (laughs) interview. Like the dude was bummed because he, because he knows. And like everybody kind of like saw that coming with Derek, with Garrett Cole, right? Like we have seen him rubbing his fingers on his hat. And like, we know that he was not this pitcher with the pirates and he went over to the Astros and now he's, he's this guy, but like, we saw it coming with Garrett Cole. And I, I think there are guys that you can look at and you can say, yeah, this is probably going to affect them. Garrett Cole being one of them, Trevor Bauer being one of them. Like we know that Trevor Bauer, he said it in interviews that there are substances that can increase his spin rate 400. And, and he just and he just started using them. So we know who these guys are. And you can go to Baseball Savant as well. And you can check on spin rates of guys. You, you can look at, these expensive pitchers, you can go and look at Tar- at Yu Darvish today. You can go and look at Tyler Molle today and look and see what their RPM drops have been over their last couple starts since we have been announced on this. And you can see. But but, but does it, uh, the question I was asking before, does it affect mostly or more predominantly the fastball slider pitchers? Yeah. I take a look. I take a look at someone like Kershaw. Like the the spin rate effect. I mean, he throws that big curveball. I mean, like the like that's how he gets people. I mean, it's it's like if you're a if you're if you're a fastball changeup, if you're a fastball curveball pitcher, like does it affect you as much as if? Because to me, like fastball slider is like that's the perfect example of yeah. You know, you're hiding you're hiding your slider behind your fastball, and that's the the main difference of like the x y axis. Right. But if you're already throw if you're already if you're throwing fastball changeup, like 
the the motion isn't what's getting it's the the speed like both pitches look the same but one's 15 miles an hour slower right and then a curveball up like over there right and and a curveball is you know is no as noticeably i mean it has to be that curveballs are slow pitches like it, but hiding that with the fastball is much different than the slider was to throw the fastball in the slider you're i mean i understand why you need the best grip in order to make those two pitches look the same mm-hmm. so that that's what i'm asking of if we typically you know okay projections whatever pitchers are pitchers i don't necessarily have to know what they throw but do you think that that you know because I, I i think of randy johnson like i come from the old older era of baseball like randy johnson's like the classic fastball slider pitcher and it's like well you took if you take away you know two inches of motion on the slider it's like randy johnson ain't a hall of fame pitcher anymore i mean like like it just it's gonna just hell she's just throwing fastballs at yeah. that point so do you think that the pitchers that do have that combination are more like do you do you think three months from now with enough data if you were to separate that by pitch type Mm-hmm. that the pitchers that predominantly throw like Jake Arietta ain't getting affected by this. I mean, like, like we're talking about like those types of pitchers, like Zach Greinke, like we don't have to worry about that. Uh, but going through and seeing like Brett Anderson on today's slate, like, like, don't, don't worry. He barely could strike anyone out to begin with. Right. Uh, should, should we, should we care and look and go, okay, he's a fastball slider pitcher. Uh, projection systems have may, may not have caught up. I'm not going to say haven't because maybe, maybe there is no difference. Maybe, you know, this is just a hypothesis, but do you think that those type of pitchers, oh, 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 yes, I know that the cracking down and I know, oh, they, they reduced his price to 10-4, but it's like, well, he's a fastball slider pitcher and then maybe, maybe I don't play him at 38% ownership or something because the field just hasn't adjusted yet. Yeah, it's it's objective on the pitcher. I think I, there there are gonna, there are going to be guys that are able to make it through, and I think there are going to be guys that are still going to be effective. Um, it, it just it really does all have to do with price, and I think that it also has to do with the downside of the pitchers. I think we've seen somebody like Shane Bieber, who's been fallible this year. Uh, he was not fallible last year, and then I, it kind of seems like the league has caught up to to some of his tactics. And if he is affected by it, which I think he will be affected by it, he probably drops down to like an eight K pitcher at most, if he's like realistically affected by it, because the league had already figured him out. We've already seen his downside. He's been much more hittable. Um, Somebody like Garrett Cole, like you can probably fade him, but he's still likely a nine to 9.5 K pitcher. Uh, Depending on where he's priced, like you're still going to want to use him. You Darvish. I I don't know if he's going to be affected by this at at 10.2. He's probably still fine at that price. Um, It's just, I, I think that we are going to see it on some guys, but I think that for the most part, um, they're, they're going to figure out a way to still be effective enough. We're going to see a down, we're going to see a downswing, but I think they're still going to be effective enough. And when you pair it with the heat wave that we're going to get, because we're coming into summer baseball, um, maybe there will be some opportunities to attack somebody like Trevor Bauer, or maybe there will be some opportunities to fade Garrett Cole and even good spots to get better effectiveness from cheaper pitchers. I, I don't know, but it, it's no, going to no, be, it may be, it may be, it may be diamond stack time. Right. Right. Cause yeah. I don't do vomit stacks anymore. Cause the two ways pitcher combination may not number one, they're pricing down some of these hitters that you could build two ace lineups too easy. Uh, so like to me, like if, if the, if the, 
the average pitcher, that pitcher gap is going to be much smaller. Yeah. Like it's so like why why don't why am I paying twenty one thousand combined at pitcher on DraftKings when I could pay fourteen thousand and not sacrifice that much median and just okay I'm playing that I'm playing Dodgers plus Astros today right you're just playing good offenses in well, good spots. Frankly, that that's kind of been a strategy that's been working this year anyway. I, I mean, we we have had so many situations where like the Reds and the Braves on a slate together they're like a perfect stack together. They work really, really well and they're really expensive, but we've had so many pitchers that have ended up in this like $6,500, $7,500 range, $6,500, 8K range that you, you really haven't needed to pay all the way up, especially because guys like Wade Miley have been getting freaking complete game shutouts, which probably stops now that the sticky substance stuff is like being cracked down. But I think we've seen plenty of efficiency from these mid-range pitchers and the, the, the expensive teams have been absolutely crushing and the, the cheaper teams have had their problems. I mean, we, we've seen a couple times where the Pirates or the Mariners or the, the Orioles, like the, these teams have done well, but a lot of the time you've needed two really expensive stacks in order to, to find success in GPPs or at least one very expensive stack and then like a really short, small stack of a cheap team where you're kind of going high, low on pitcher. We haven't seen a lot of high, high on pitcher be super effective. With the, the, the crackdown, I mean, they're not, they're not going to be, are they going to be ejecting pitchers mid game? From mm-hmm. what I, I mean, I, oh, they are. Okay. Cause I read something that they may check after the game or like they'll check in between innings, but they're not going to do anything until after the game. Like, are we going to see actual ejections? I'll bet we do. Yeah, I'll bet we do. Because they're, they're, I mean, they're confiscating gloves. They're like confiscating hats that like they're confiscating stuff. But will they, no, the question is, will they be ejected? Like I, from, from what they've worded it, it, to me, it, it, I, 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 maybe I'm, I'm looking too much into it. I mean, truthfully, they, I mean, it, it's, it, they changed the rules. So like, I don't know. I know the, I know the baseball rule book as of like 20 years ago when I was um, an umpire, sure. like if, 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 in any game that I umpired, if I if I saw if I found proof that a pitcher was doctoring the baseball, that's an ejection. That's the by rule, by law, by that's right. If I, if, if someone came out with a shaver and was on the mound or whatever, like right. like like it's not that I'm gonna confiscate that and then continue to let you pitch. No, I I confiscate it and throw you out of the game. So yeah, and that's why I think that there will be ejections. I mean, if a pitcher gets caught with it then how do they not eject them? And, and then here's the other question for DFS purposes. Would you rather the pitcher that you had get ejected or have to continue to pitch that game without their substances? Now you would rather continue and then pay you on more points. Come on, what do you know? No, 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 but, but think about what, what could happen if they are so reliant on that stuff. And then the next inning, they come out and their control is gone. They walk three guys, they give up a grand slam, and now you're screwed in GPPs. Yeah, but you're screwed in GPP if they would pitch three innings and get ejected anyway. Somebody won a GPP with like negative four points from a pitcher. Okay, so then that grand slam turned the fact I'll win with negative four points. (laughs) I just don't think, I don't think we're going to see ejections. It it only makes sense to me that that they eject somebody if they find them cheap. Because I, I, I what they should that. do, but I'm not saying that. Look, they should have been cracking down on this. They, truthfully, I don't even think they should be cracking down. I, I no, I don't I, think so either. Right, I'm, 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 I'm of, I'm of the very uh, when it comes to sports, the libertarian kind of 
viewpoint when it comes to sports me like the whole competitive integrity like dude the whole the whole thing it's a closed league it's all it's all designed to raise the valuation of these clubs for rich people uh let them take all the steroids they want let them doctor the ball all they want let's play with metal bats if they i don't care let the games be 15 to 17 i don't like like what what there's no to me there's no intent like sanctity it's a big business so like, let let the pitchers doctor the ball. Let the let the hitters. I want to see. I want to see you guys with veins popping out of their heads. You know, coming up the plate with like muscles like this and hitting the ball four hundred and ninety feet. Like, Whoa. I want. I want. I want it to get to the point where where Giancarlo Stanton is like the slap hitter, right? Right, where he's like batting eighth because it's like no, we can't. We, no, the, the the guy that the guy that only hits four hundred and sixty foot home runs. Like we'll bat him before the pitcher, right? Like it, yeah. we'll allow him on the team, right? But you need to be able to hit at least five hundred and fifty foot home run. Like I don't care, but like in any sports, like let him, like just have an even playing field of like anything goes, and just like right. do whatever you want, rather than like well, some could get him because then because what ends up happening is that they get away with it anyway, and it yeah. just certain people are able to get. It, it comes down to not if they're doing it, it's who gets caught, right? So just make, just, just make, just whatever. Well, and if you do we care, do we care as fans? If like there, there are fans that care. There are fans that care, but I, I mean, here, here's my stance on the sticky stuff, on the sticky stuff. Um, it shouldn't be illegal because if you think about it, it's just the same thing as catchers using gloves in the NFL. Like that, that's all it is. It's just improving your grip on the ball that you are going to be holding or catching or throwing or whatever. Um, and pitchers have been using something, something since like the 1710s, right? Since like feudal lords were sending out their best knight to go try to hit a rock thrown by a horse. Like the horse was using sticky tap. So like the spitball existed and we have sunscreen and rosin and we have guys going out there like chewing on the, on the seams to try to get a better ball. Like it's been around forever it doesn't make any sense to outlaw it and the only reason why they're outlawing it is so that they can make it so that pitchers are less effective but then lo and behold now the mlb has the problem of having there be too many runs which is what they were trying to get rid of this year by doctoring the ball so it, all these different changes it, it they, they they have no idea what they're trying to do who so doesn't just, want more runs who's clamoring for two to one games the, the the MLB. Why? Because they suck. Because they don't know anything. Because they don't have any clue how to actually like appeal to the younger generation. I was talking with uh, with American Numbers on Twitter, Arturo. He's a good friend of mine, and <laughs> I, I keep arguing with him that like baseball is still something that people care about, and like why are the GPPs so small? And he's like, because nobody bets on MLB. And he's right. Nobody knows who the main people are for MLB. Like if Mike Trout is walking down the street next to Alex Caruso of the Lakers, you know who's going to be the bigger star there? Alex freaking Caruso. Because he's marketed. Because the NBA knows how to market. And the MLB doesn't. So like the MLB is just sitting here trying to make 6% more money for the billionaires that own these teams instead of actually like producing a good product and making something that people want to watch. They don't care about that. They only care about the 76-year-olds that are sitting there at home arguing about the fucking, uh, the, like the, the what, what's it called? The, 
where people are going off in like second base sitting over on third. What is that called? I can't oh, the think shift. Of Thank you. The shift. Yeah. Everybody's arguing about the shift. Like that doesn't matter. Who cares? Hit a home run. Just hit a home run. I, it just, it's so annoying. It's so well, annoying. Well, the shift wouldn't matter as much if the, if the, if the play, if ball, balls were put into play and there were more runs scored. Yeah. But I mean, I, t- I take a look at the, like, I take a look at MLB and like the players they really should be marketing are guys like Vlad Guerrero Jr., Joey Otani, like uh, 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 Ronald Acuna, Fernando Tatis, right? All, yeah. all those, and it, it, it's, it's weird to say, but the boring old white guys are not that marketable. <laughs> They're not, and I, and I know that, and I get that. And like, the MLB has a problem with that too. Where like the league is, I mean, it is better than it used to be, but like, let's be honest, it's not super inclusive of other cultures joining into the ranks, right? So it, it is just like, it, it is such a old person's league and it is marketed so badly that it's no wonder that it's falling out of favor. And I've said before on, on other podcasts and like in other spots that I think that esports as a conglomerate, like as an aggregate, esports will be bigger than the MLB in five years, just because they know how to market their stars at the very least. Like flops, I know flop, Plopsky, right? Yeah, see, you Plopsky know Plopsky. is still right. I, I remember from last you, week. You Plopsky. know it. You right? know it. Enough people like know a, a little bit about esports e- now. Like streamer culture is starting to grow, and like the stars of certain North American leagues are starting to grow past this point where the MLB, because of blackout restrictions, because of marketing problems, because of like all the stupid rules they're putting in, people don't like the MLB. They don't because I, you can't. I, James, if it wasn't for DFS, I would not watch baseball. I'm I not, I mean, I barely watch baseball to begin with. Right, right. I wouldn't even care. I wouldn't, I mean, I would be like baseball that's still around. And like, it, it, like for me, it's not even the, the dumb rules that they put in. It's just the umpires. And it's just like them refusing to get with the times and making the game the best that it can be. I'm like, we've kind of gone off the rails here in terms of like the original discussion, but whatever, it doesn't matter. It's it's Mondays with McCool. It's, it's anything goes. If people want to ask questions or make comments, you can do it in the YouTube chat. Because yeah. Daniel Hutchings says, which I, I can understand, the only argument I find compelling for banning stuff like steroids is to protect the players. I but agree if you have PEDs that are proven to be safe, they should be allowed. I personally, I think even if it's not safe, it should be a lot, but that, that's their choice. They want to die when they're 32 years old. That's the fine for my entertainment. I'm all fine. That's their choice. So yeah, it's, it's hard. I think that steroids probably could be allowed in the MLB, but it's a slippery slope when you start getting into things that are physical contact, like steroids should not be allowed in football. They should, they should not be allowed in football. Have you ever played uh, NFL blitz? Well, yeah, yeah, that's what it would be like. Right? I know. <laughs> that's what it would be. We can't have that. Uh, we, we can't have it in soccer, right? Like, people would be, like, l- literally losing legs in the middle of games. Like, we can't have that. We can't have it in basketball because, like, then Boban Marjanovic would actually be able to play the game and he, nobody else could do anything. So we can't have it in physical sports. I think we could have it in baseball. Uh, just because, yeah, th- th- there's nothing wrong if, if you give – like let Giancarlo Stanton take steroids. Let's see how far he can actually hit a baseball, right? Like if Giancarlo Stanton is taking steroids, do you think he can hit it 550 feet? I do. 
I think he could hit 575 feet, and that'd be rad. That'd be sick. It would break a car windshield on the highway. That'd be crazy. Uh, I, I think it'd be okay in baseball, but not in contact sports because you do end up like really it, – it's one thing if, if baseball players want to play until they're 40 and then just like lose every muscle that they have, but like they hit 48 home runs in like six games. Cool, that's fine. But uh, I don't want to see people literally die on the field. I want, I, want, I want baseball to get to the point where we're playing DFS and we're rostering pitchers that who gets the least amount of negative points, <laughs> right? Right, with the with the, keep the same DFS scoring. It's like, okay, uh, if you can get two pitchers that combine for negative eight, you're gonna, you have the nuts, right? Because all, every game is like 17 to 12. And every single shark player, every single smart player would pick up on the fact that you would just take relievers every single game or pitchers that aren't pitching. <laughs> and for two weeks, the edge would be huge. No, no and, and Fandle and wouldn't change their scoring system for three years. <laughs> right? <laughs> right, DK would get it. DK would eventually go, okay, this let's 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 remove the, these automatic zero players because that would be the pro- – so you have to roster a negative pitcher. And Fandle would be like, oh, no, we're just going to leave them at – we're actually going to leave them at minimum price. Yeah. No, so it makes it easier. Minimum price. That's right. the change they would make. They would make it so that you could roster a pitcher that's not playing and it would give you more money to spend on hitters. That's what right. fans would do. Well, we got good contests today on, 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 on we got, because NBA, once NBA is over, I think we're going to get bigger contests. It's been frustrating. No, no, no. They're going to put all the money into Dota. Dota? Yeah, no, they're not going to do that. <laughs> I hope they do. I like my Dota model. Um, yeah, no, there, there's good contests and and uh, six game slate. I that's my wheelhouse. I love a six game. No, slate. and that's too small. No, it's not. You you say it's too small because you're conservative. No, I say it's too small because that if you don't get the guy that hits the home run at two percent, you lost. Mm, I disagree with that. I think you you can find your uh, you can find your edge based on the pitching job. Oh, you could. We do just I, talked about that to? at the beginning. Of okay, this. okay. Let let let's uh, the. Assuming the weather holds off or whatever, the Astros are going to be like super duper chalk. Sure. T- tonight. Yeah. What on these types of slates, like I like on a six game slate, for instance. Yeah. This is why I don't like these. This is why I don't like these. It doesn't mean I'm not good at them. It just means that the strategy becomes different. Like I'm much more likely to. X out the team in an entire lineup, mm-hmm. then play any of them as one-offs. Yeah, I, I agree with that. On a six-game slate, if it was a 13-game slate, I I, I wouldn't, it, wouldn't care about one-offs. Sure. No, because the problem comes in is like I, I'm taking a look at our current DK ownership on the Astros. Altuve 32%, McCormick 35. Brantley 28, Guriel 16, Alvarez 36, Correa 18, Toro 11, Maldonado 20, and Miles Straw 1. Sure. What that says to me is that if I play an Astro stack, if I play a five-man Astro stack on DK, it's going to have Miles Straw in it. It has to, yeah. And and if I, if I don't do that, that I shouldn't be playing a five, I shouldn't, what, uh, as far as what's the easiest path to first, it's the most likely lineup to win a five-man Astro stack with all the most, you know, playing Altuve, McCormick, Alvarez, 
Maldonado is a cheap catch, you know, like doing something like that. Toro, he's 2,100. Like, yes, but the, you're going to be competing against a lot, a lot of the same line. You're going to need like the nuts zone nuts. You're going to need As- like the perfect lineup. To me, I'd rather just, if I'm going to play the Astros, either play them as a five-man weirdly or literally don't play them at all. And, and I mean, truthfully, like I'm considering having some Keegan Aiken in some lineups because it, it's looking at this ownership, it's quite possible that a quarter, like literally a quarter, 25% of all lineups in this like super knuckleball, the $5 large field today, they're doing the super knuckleball. So it's 70 something thousand entries. But it's quite possible if, the, if this ownership is correct that 25%, like 25% of all lineups in the contest will be a five-man Astros stack. Yeah, and uh, like they, they rate well for me, um, but they're not my top team. Oh, they are your top team. I, yeah. uh, according to the, based on the, the bat, the top teams on the slate from, uh, from a ceiling perspective uh, do you have the Brewers up there against Kelly? Uh, Brewers, 10% chance, 10.6% chance. I, I Let me guess. Is it the Reds against Hap? It is. How about how do you have the Diamondbacks against Brett Anderson? Bad. <laughs> really? Well, so the Diamondbacks are on like a 26-game losing streak. They're not going to rate well for me. What does it matter if they win or lose games? If they lose a game and score eight runs, what do I care? No, well, I mean, I, I'm just saying their baselines suck. Like oh, over in the recent sample, their baseline just sucks. Oh, so in the recent not, okay, because the because Cardi Cardi doesn't care of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About the no, they they rate like trash. My my top teams as it stands now, in terms of top score percentage, are the Reds, the Astros, the Twins, the Brewers, and the Rangers. The, those are the Rangers. The Rangers yeah. against Montes. Against Montes. Really? Yeah. Well, so I don't have them scoring necessarily a lot of points against Montes, but I do have them going into the bullpen and doing okay. And the only reason why the Rangers are up there is because I have a lot of teams that are projecting really, really badly. Um, like Diamondbacks, Indians, Cubs, like the, those teams that don't even have a chance. So when it comes down to teams that actually do have a relative chance, I have the Rangers up there. Okay, the Rangers are the lowest projected team in the back. That sounds right. Before, by far yeah but based on based on cardi's methodology obviously right yeah right if you're going to go by just recent stuff i mean obviously there's a lot of noise there yeah so i i mean like when it comes down to the teams that it kind of sounds like both me and cardi are on the reds astros and brewers yeah right like astros would be one brewers two reds four yeah. diamondbacks are three twins are five or six now, once you get it, once you get in the middle range, it's all the kind of the same. Like yeah, everywhere, like, like 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 the Twins, the Cubs, the Indians, the Dodgers, the Orioles. Like they're all like kind of like eh, the same, the same range type of yeah, thing. That's what I have to. Right. So but when does, I when that, I look does, at that, when I look at that though, like if the Astros are going to be thirty two percent owned, I have no reason to play them. I just don't. Because you're like, willing like, to just completely X, just completely. If if here's the question. If you're going to completely X out the Astros, yeah, why wouldn't you play Keegan Aiken in some lineups? I will. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it, 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 from a correlation perspective, like I, I, if 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 I'm going to do that, Keegan, because most likely these line, like if you're going to build lineups, 
Like we have these cheap pitchers. Like one of the one of these got James. One of these guys is going to do well. Yeah, we have in in the bat from a point per dollar perspective. The the three top pitchers from a point just for point per dollar in the bat right now. Gibson, Odorizzi, and Hap. Yeah, Gibson, Odorizzi, sure. Right, I, I, I know, I know. Like Hap is like, I, I have Hap projected for three fantasy points, so not great on the fantasy point per dollar there. Yeah, the bat has it at twelve. Has it at 12. <laughs> I'll take the under. Um, yeah, but Jake Odorizzi and Gibson, I see that. Uh, I have some. Yeah, but Odorizzi is Odorizzi is probably going to be. Po- uh, I mean, he's fifty nine hundred. He's facing Baltimore. Yeah, he'll be popular. I think Gibson will be popular at six three hundred. Um, eh, I'll be a little bit less attacking Oakland. I mean, I think Orioles are a worse team than Oakland. But I'm saying, but one of these three pitchers, I'm I'm telling you, it, and it could be Hap, right? It could be. Sure, could be. Probably less likely, but it could be. <laughs> could be. One of these pitchers is going to put up twenty points. Yeah. Uh. Well, I I don't know about twenty points. I I think that like their medians being around fifteen, it makes sense for for those guys yeah the um, bat has it at 12 or third like 12 13 13.7 like uh a- aiken's projection in the bat right now is eight so hey aiken i have actually has the lowest raw points projection this, but this is the concept that i'm trying i'm trying to point out is that for instance if you just don't look at median and you just look at ceiling and floor yeah which in the bat is the 25th and 75th percentile yep so let's say you have, let's say you have the the choice of playing J.A. Happ or Keegan Aiken, which is, is not the greatest of choices, obviously. <laughs> J.A. Happ is 5,300. Aiken is 5,100. Now, uh, Aiken's floor is negative two. His ceiling <laughs> is 20. Happ's floor is 1.9, and his ceiling is 25. So you're like, oh, Happ has a five-point higher ceiling. But Aiken is facing Houston. Half is facing Cincinnati. Now they're both going to be owned, but the Astros are probably going to be three times as owned as Cincinnati. So even though uh, Hap has a higher ceiling by five points, you get more relative value in your contest by playing Keegan Aiken. And you get even more relative value if you play Keegan Aiken obviously in a lineup that doesn't have the Astros in it, because if the Astros stacks are going to fail, if the no, if the Astros players are going to fail, that means it's most likely Aiken has reached his ceiling that he's gotten 20 points. Now I say the word players, because it's very important that you separate the difference between players and stacks. A five-man Astros stack fails even if they score five runs on Aiken, right? Like, let's say you roster five Astros. They they score five runs. One of them hits a home run, and none of the Astros have more than 20 points, right? You have, like, three guys with double digits and a couple of guys with, like, fives and threes and stuff, which means the five-man stack failed. You're probably not going to win with it. But also Aiken, Aiken is sitting there with three points. I mean, like, a, like Aiken didn't do well either, right? Right. So you have to consider just like, oh, well, I'm not going to play Astro stacks, so I'm going to play Aiken. Like, no, no, Astro, Astro stacks could fail and Aiken could fail. 
But if no Astros player has double digits, it's very quite likely that Aiken has 20 plus points. Yeah. Right. Cause if he didn't give up any hot, like if, if he gave up two runs, six strikeouts, six innings pitched, like for 5,100, you're, you're going to get his points and him being 2% owned versus the Astros stacks being like a third of the lineups in the contest. Like that's the easiest path to first place. Now, does it happen that often? No. But when it does happen, it's you, you'll be able to win first place, but not nowhere near the nuts, right? You, you, you'd have a lineup with a zero in it and win, right? If you if the Astro stacks die today as a stack, but it, it's quite possible Astro stacks fail if they score five runs, but one guy has two home runs, right? If Chaz McCormick comes out and hits two home runs against Aiken, and then none of the Astros really do much other than like single here and there. Astro stacks fail, but you're going to still need Chaz McCormick as a one-off mm-hmm. to win a GPP. So you have to think in terms of what is, what is the win condition of a lineup? So how you choose to build your lineups or how many types of lineups do you have? How many of a hundred or 20? Think in those terms. So I don't like talking about do you X out the Astros? It's like, well, in, in, a, in a lineup, if you're playing five lineups today, you could not play the Astros in all five of them. Sure. You could play a one-off in one of them. I mean, like the lineups are independent of one another. So to talk in like these terms of like, is it is it plus EV to just X out the Astros? It probably is, but it's also high variance. It's also, you know, it's quite possible a three-man Astro stack does succeed. It's quite possible that a one-off succeeds. It quite, it's obviously the most likely that a five-man succeeds on DraftKings. And can you build an Astros chalk five-man and still get enough leverage elsewhere? Yes, you can. It's just harder to do, right? You could you could play a five-man if you want to play a five-man Astros stack, and 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 then play like who's going to be popular? Let's see. You want to play uh, uh, the Rangers? against Montes, if Montes is going to be like 30 plus percent owned, if you want to play the Orioles against Odorizzi, who's going to be 30 plus percent owned or something. And you combine them together or something. Okay. You could find, you could find some 1% to like, let me, let me take a look at our current ownership on the Rangers. Where While you're doing that, I'll just point out that one of the cool things about Keegan Ag- Aiken today, um, not necessarily that I am promoting playing Keegan Aiken, but um he has what we call both direct and indirect leverage because he has the direct leverage that you gain from playing somebody against the chalk stack of the Astros. Then you have the indirect leverage as well of playing him instead of Odorizzi or Hap, who both project better. Right. So not only do you get to, you know, pass the people that have the Astros stack because you have that direct leverage, you can also go a long way towards keeping up or passing the people with Odorizzi and Hap if they do worse than Aiken. So I mean, that is massive, massive, massive leverage. If you play Aiken, you can make whatever choice you want with the rest of your line. The, like the leverage doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. The ownership doesn't matter. If you play Aiken, you have complete freedom with the rest of your lineup. You don't have to make any more choices. Right, because obviously if you're playing Aiken, you're not playing Astros. Right. Right, in, in and of itself. And if you're not, if you're playing Aiken, you're probably not playing Odorizzi or Gibson. Mm-hmm. Right, you're, you're probably not pairing them together and leaving 4,000 on the table. I mean, it's almost impossible to build a lineup with those two, with paying a 10.5K total at pitcher. 
But like, like, t- take a look at the Rangers. Like the Rangers ownership is uh three percent, thirteen percent, three percent, six percent, three percent, one percent, one percent, eight percent, one percent. Yep. So I mean, if you could play, you could play all the Chuck Astros, and you could play Willie Calhoun, Eli White, and Adolis Garcia. You know, something, something. I mean, I mean, they're all outfielders. You probably need to find, you know, uh, instead of playing Correa in your Astro stack, you're playing Isaiah Kiner Falefa at three percent instead. And instead of playing Altuve, you're playing Solak at three percent. And then, and then you're playing the other Astros, right? You're playing McCormick, Brantley. Uh, Guriel, Toro, right? I'm looking at the positions and Maldonado. It's like, dude, you're, you're good, right? So you can play Astros stack lineups and still get different. Just understand you have to be perfect with those rings. You have to be near perfect with your other players. But the other players also have to be less owned. If you're, to me, if you're going in and you're like, I'm going to play, this is what I'm going to do, James. I'm going to plug in Darvish. Okay, let me plug in Darvish. There's Darvish at 10.2. I'm going to plug in Odorizzi at 5.9K. I'm going to take five Astros. And then I'm going to take Nick Castellanos. I'm going to play Tyler Stevenson at catch. No, I'm playing Maldonado at catcher, right? I'm taking Castellanos. And then I'm, you know, I mean, like, like, dude, you're playing like, you're playing the cash lineup practically. I mean, Byron Buxton's 4,800. That may be too low. Right, you're playing something like that. I mean, like, like, dude, I could, I could do that. I could. I mean, look, if I go into the bat right now and just look at like what the optimal lineup is, it's literally a five man. Here, here's, here, here's the optimal lineup for the bat as of ten thirty five with no, of no starting lineups. Darvish Gibson, you're good with that, right? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Catcher Maldonado. Yeah. Altuve, Toro, Correa. McCormick. Okay. Five man Astros. Good. Cool. Good. Uh, Castellanos. Yeah. Right. Against Hap at 4,500. Trey Mancini against Odorizzi at 5,200. Okay. Sure. And Yelich against Merrill Kelly at 5,500. Yep. That is, yep. That is it. So should you be playing, should you be playing a lineup that has a, uh, 231% per, uh, uh, ownership sum? Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> well, and there there will be people that do it. And then if Oh, it there's works, tons of people. That's why I love playing the large field GPPs. There'll be if it tons works, of lineups that look like this. Just wait for them to say, but I scored 190 points. I didn't cash. Right, I, right. I, no, <laughs> no, you scored it. No, you, they still cashed, right? If the Astros right. go nuclear and hit 16 runs and whatever, and Castellanos has a double dong day, It'll be the it'll be the I scored 220 points and still only doubled my money. It, it'll be both. It, it will be both eat all the chalk. Why are you fading the chalk? And also, why am I not making money? It'll right. be no, both. They're, they're still they're still min cash. They're still min cashing. So it's not like they didn't cash. That's fair. But they'll be they'll be like first place was like 300 points today. Yeah. They go. Instead I put up of, the highest score I ever did, and I only got 1.5x. It's like well, see, and I long. would much rather just score 162 points today. And my red stack and, and Keegan Aiken as, as my ace and just and win a GPP that way rather than having to be exactly right and end up on, you know, whoever it is that scores 38 fancy points at 1% on Miles Straw, you know, 38 fancy points somehow steals every base that he 
that he walks on or whatever. I, I don't know. But let, let, let me take a look. I'm going to do five X, five X. Let's see. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll do the blunt way. I'm just going to cap. I'm going to cap hitters at 50% just so I get different lineups. 50, 50. Let me build a hundred just to, just to show I, I, I do this. I show this on the pregame show because people are going to look and go, why shouldn't I play a, a lineup that projects for 111 points. I mean, like that is a stack already. Yeah. Right. But that like that, that's still a cash flow. I mean, if you, if you play double ups on DraftKings today, you're going to see a lot of five man Astro stacks, not because they're stacking the Astros. It's because the Astros are underpriced. Yeah. Okay. Here's a hundred. Okay. I did a hundred lineups. I capped each player, just the players at 50%. Just if I didn't do that, I would just get literally a hundred Astro stacks. Yeah. Okay. So if I sort by fantasy points, okay. If I look, the top lineup is the one obviously that I just said before at 111, 231 current projected ownership. All these numbers are going to change by by seven o'clock tonight. Uh, one, let's see what the next highest projected lineup that is not a five man Astro stack. Remember, yeah. I put in five X, so it's going to be all five mans. Okay, Astros, it's going to see a ton. Are we even, let, let me just make sure, are there any? Yeah, we have, I'm using bat projection, so it'll be Arizona. Yeah. Okay, Arizona's top, yeah, wow. <laughs> Arizona's top 5X stack, which is a is a Urias. Yeah, because I, I've cut, okay, I, I need to do this again, because since I'm cutting the pitchers down, I'm not getting the, so I have to do this with the Astros itself because it's not going to give me the right. It's giving me Urias and like Kelly and stuff. And it's like that, that isn't going to do it. So let me go to the stacks page and make sure that I don't get more than 10% of the Astros just so I get a bunch of other stuff, but I'm still able to get Astros guys is like hundred percent one-offs and stuff. Yeah. Just so I, so the projections of each lineup could stay up. This is gonna, it's gonna, you're gonna get bunch problems. So you're gonna get all, all the Astro stacks bunch with all the best plays and then all the other stacks bunch with nothing. Okay, so I get 100% Darvish. Okay, this makes more sense. Okay, so look at the stack summary. So I'm getting 10% Astros, but then I'm getting Diamondbacks, Brewers, and the Reds. So if I go to the top Diamondbacks lineup, okay, the top Diamondbacks lineup is, uh, 104 point projection, but still 224 ownership sum because obviously the one-offs in this lineup are Yelich, McCormick, and Altuve, <laughs> right? With Darvish and Gibson, right. right? If I if I go to the next one, 249, 249, that's even a lower projection. 226, 210. Now, if I go to Milwaukee, I get, okay, this is better. 105. Projection 105.72, 170 ownership. This is a yeah, Brewer stack. It's it's a 5-3. It's Darvish Gibson with Yelich, Garcia, Adamas, Vogelback, Narvaez, and then Altuve, Toro, McCormick. Yeah, much nicer. Right. It gives up like six points in projection, but gets you, what, 60, 60 points in ownership. And you could even drop McCormick out, off of that and play straw. Oh yeah, well, once you play straw, I mean, your projection is going to go down by about maybe four points. 
Yeah, but, but now you're, you're at now you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna lose you're gonna lose thirty four points in ownership. Right, you're at one hundred one. You're only at like one forty. And here's one forty eight. Here's here's one. It's only one one hundred five point four five. It's a still a five. It's still five man Brewers, but instead of now it instead Yelich isn't in here. Now Yelich is there, but we have Jackie Bradley Jr. We have Altuve, Toro, Correa. So it's no McCormick. All your outfield spots are occupied by Brewers. You still have Gibson, Darvish. But no, you have 148. So you're giving up like six points in projection and you're gaining 85 points in ownership. Like, like this would be the type of lineup that I would be playing. Yeah. Right. This, and then we take a look at the Bruins that took it to the Reds. Right. This is highly like, look, look at this. This one's even worse. 104 projection, 281 ownership. <laughs> because you're playing, because look at what happens when you do this. You're playing Darvish Montes. But you're, then you're playing the three men of McCormick, Altuve, and Maldonado. And you have Castellanos in your red stack, and he's mega-owned. Eugenio Suarez, who's mega-owned. Tyler Stevenson at first base, who's mega-owned. Like, like it, this projects, this is, it's weird to say, this lineup projects seven points worse, yet is uh much horrible lineup than the actual optimal. Yeah. Right. So actually this lineup would be worse than playing the, the, the actual optimal. Like you shouldn't be playing this. At, I mean, you should just be Xing that out completely. Yeah. Right. You look down. Cause once you have Cassia, you got Cassianos and McCormick in the same lineup. Like if you could separate them. Yeah. These reds Astros stacks are going to be so, this is going to be ridiculously owned. Because you could do because you could pay you could play Darvish and then one of the cheap pitchers. Yep. And you have no problem. Look, even with Savali, you could do it. Once you play, yeah. Once you play Suarez, McCormick, and Castellanos together, you're, you're dude. You better find some one percent on guys. Yeah. Better stack the Rangers. Right. But that's what you do. That's why you like. Let's say here. Let Let's do something else. Let's do five threes. I mean, we have a we have a minute or two left. Just to show, this is like this is a research thing. So I'm not gonna do, I'm gonna do five threes now, but I'm going to limit. I'm gonna do Astros at twenty. Let, let's make it all. Let's let's do Astros and Reds. So cap them at fifty, because that's all I want is a primary stack. I'm just five man, but we want the three man stack, secondary stack, to be nothing. Like I don't want any Reds or any. Astros are really so. I'm going to set them at like two percent, and let's say Arizona at ten, and Milwaukee at ten, because they they also project well. Minnesota, everything like that. Okay, just to run it, just to show the the differences. I mean, just to show this is this is this is what I always say in in the in the Roto Grinders Discord about me picking lineups, not players. Just to see. Okay, so the first one is obviously going to be high. 108, 208. Darvish, Montes, Brewers, three-man, Astros, five-man. So if we just go by, okay, points. I'm just going to scroll down. Just see number, just ownership sums. 176. I'm going to see 262. That's way too high. 179. I'm looking for something more in like the 140 range, if there is any. 
Let's see, 174, 224, 198. We may not be able to get to a 140. Let's see, 197s, 193s. So I'm still playing Darvish, so obviously the ownership is going to be high. 155, okay, we found something, okay. Close enough. 98 point projection. Okay. So you good thing you're giving up that much ownership. Yeah. This is a Reds, Reds Orioles 5-3. Okay. I'm into that. With Franco, Stewart, and Mancini. And you're playing basically you're playing the red stack with no with no uh, uh Suarez in it. You're playing a Kino instead. And your your pitchers are Darvish Savali. Because obviously, since you're not paying up, you could you could pay, you could you could pay for Zavali. It's not the greatest projection, but you're I you may be getting enough ownership for that. I think you are. I think that sounds fine. Right. Here's some like 166. Here's another one. Reds. Yeah, here's Reds, Reds, Orioles with Darvish and Gibson. Here you're playing Suarez, but you're not playing Castellanos, right? Like that's the only way to get those, right? You're playing Mancastle, Mullins, and Mancini in your lineup. But these are the lineups that I'd be looking at. Like the next lineup, look, one lineup is 98.49 at 166 ownership sum. The next one is 98.47, so lower. It's 0.02 lower, and its ownership is 80 points higher. <laughs> right? But this is a twins. This is Darvish Gibson Reds with the chalk Reds, and then a three-man twins with Polanco, Buxton, Polanco's 20%, Buxton's 28%, and Jeffers is 9%. Yeah. So that projects lower than a lineup that has way. So, like, you wouldn't be playing these lineups. Like, this, this is a lineup that you would X out because the lineups above it are so much better. Right? Here's a 212. Here's a, right? You can see these Reds twins lineups just are not, are not doing it. But this is how, this is how you find out how to differentiate especially on a six game slate james on a 14 game slate you don't have to get this granular because no you don't you don't have to care this much right because you, you you're more likely to find like tons of tons of combinations that like are all are all projected the same and own the same and it's just like which ones to play with close your eyes play with whatever ones you want i mean like you could play that like if, if there was one chalk stack on a 14 game slate and you're like, I want to play the chalk stack. It's like, dude, you could combine them with like 12 other teams yeah. and have the same projection and the same ownership. Like, like it's going to be the, the difference between those secondary teams is not going to matter that much. Okay. So we, we covered a lot, right? Yeah. Today. Yeah. We got to talk through a bunch. Right. Okay. So uh, give us a thumbs up on the way out the door. Thanks for, for tuning in. People People are talking in the chat. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Looking through. We can talk about stuff tomorrow. We've been running long. Give the thumbs up. James, paydirt underscore DFS, paydirtdfs.com. People want to check out your incredibly small sample models. That's, that's, that, that, that's an intentional dig. But that's where you think you get your edge. I mean, yeah. by oh, by almost overweighting recent results. 
Exactly. Yeah. But not just, recent, recent. It's not like the past two games type of thing. Basically, I would rather be wrong on these short samples than wait until I'm right all along. Right, right. You want to get grab the edge as quickly as possible, even yeah. though maybe 30% of the time you're completely wrong. Like yeah. Yeah. that edge you thought you had actually didn't exist. Right. Yeah. And I'm okay eating that being right the other, you know, 70% of the time on, on something that right. You want might- you want to be right, you want to be right on on the the two percent owned, you know, guy that got called up and had a good game, and then is it going to continue? And maybe it is going to continue, or the, or the the pitcher that that is like on this slate going to be eight percent owned. Like you want you wanted to be early this season on Robbie Ray. Yeah, right. And I was, and I was. He's he's not going to get this Cy Young, but I was right about the improvement. Right, but I'm saying you want Robbie Ray his first two or three starts where he's 8% owned yep. rather than his fourth and fifth start where he's the 32% owned shock. Got to, got to be the field on it, man. It's important. Okay. You can check out the theory of daily fantasy sports, 15 hour audio DFS masterclass theory of DFS.com. If you want more conversations like this, it's structured education. We have uh, 11 chapters in that audio course, 15 hours. People listen to it time and time. And you could listen to it over and over again. It, it, it's the game theory of DFS. It, it applies to every sport. So go check that out. Theoryofdfs.com. Thanks to Devin producing, filling in for Eli today. Uh, and I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back tomorrow. We'll go over. We'll, we'll go over. We'll probably, probably go over how uh, uh, a chalk lineup that scored 300 points won the GPP. And that might that, oh, you're fading the Astros and playing Keegan Aiken. What an idiot. That's, but it, that, I know that's more likely to happen. So most yeah. likely I'll be talking about that tomorrow. As I always do, Mondays through Fridays, 11, 11 a.m. Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.